Well, good morning again, and as we are continuing on with our Christmas series, um, Meet the Angel, Christmas, What You Thought You Knew. A friend of my sister's mom was dying, and so they called the only pastor they knew, and that was me, and I was in my late 20s, early 30s. And they ushered me into the family home, into the living room where there was a hospital bed. Uh, This was the town that I'd grown up in and some of the people around the bed I had gone to high school with. And so it was a little weird for me in a sense. Uh, I was being pastoral around high school peers. And when I got into the room, obviously it was quiet and it was dim, but immediately I noticed There were angels everywhere. There were big angels, small angels, cute angels, kind of gaudy angels. They were everywhere, and it was almost like a shrine. And Alicia's mom had always loved angels, and so they had gathered these angels around her, knowing that her time was going to be short, and they kind of hoped that in a sense the symbolism of the angels around them would help their mom when it was time for her to pass away and would usher her into heaven. This beautiful and I'm going to also say pitiful scene kind of rocked me because they they didn't have a crystal clear face. Uh, They kind of thought angels were luck charms and they were mistaken about that and so this morning as we talk about angels and we're not going to be exhaustive in our talk about it you know sometimes we think of angels looking like this being little baby angels and that's kind of weird in some ways i don't know and then we think of guardian angels which uh we definitely are mindful of, and we see that kind of in Scripture, these angels taking care of us, not sure how that all works. And again, this uh, family was hoping for this kind of a scene and not knowing what to base it on. But a lot of times, or most of the time, when we're aware of angels in the Bible, we kind of see something like this, uh, someone that takes our breath away Many times people in response to an angel will, will, will start worshiping and the angel will immediately say, don't do that, I'm not God, that's, that's wrong. That's what uh, you know, Lucifer wanted and that was the rebellion and those are fallen angels, but, but, but we're the ones that follow God, so don't follow me. And just a little tidbit of information is sometimes you know when you uh, see an angel that is worshiped or you see the angel of the Lord, not but when it's worship, that actually is a pre-incarnate Christ. You see, Jesus, that little baby, has always existed. Part of the Trinity, one God in three persons. And so even before uh, Jesus was born in that manger, the Messiah existed, one with uh, God. So in those cases, sometimes... Um, you might even see, I think, uh, Gideon, when that angel, he had some interactions. Uh, I think that was Jesus pre-incarnate, so you can take a look at that. 
But again, we're, we're confused, and, and some of our confusion, some of our what we think we know comes from what we've seen uh, on TV, nice stories, nice movies, and, and sometimes even a, a story like this that's very nice and, and sweet uh, can confuse us a little bit. You some stylish underwear. Why should you give me this one, my last birthday? <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's dying out, too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Where do you come from? Heaven? I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody, huh? AS2, what, what, what's that AS2? Angel, second class. Clarence is sweet. You know the story, every time a bell rings, there's a new angel. Living on earth, you die, you become an angel if you're kind of good enough. That, that's not true. It's, it's sweet and everything, but it's not true. And then there's, you know, this depiction of angels, which... Uh, Makes me actually sick. I think uh, my parents used to like this show, and they made me watch it a couple times. Just way too sweet and just all kinds of things. I can't even watch more than 10 seconds of it. But, uh, you know, you get these images. So what you thought you knew, you may not know. And you may know, but you may need to be renewed or uh, revisit some of these um, ideas about angels. So we see in Luke... Chapter 1, all at once an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel pressed him, saying, don't be afraid. Zechariah, God is showing you, showing grace to you. And so you see angels appearing and people being shaken, being overwhelmed, being startled. Startled doesn't seem like a, a big enough word for encountering an angel. But yet then there's these other cases. We see this out of Hebrews. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. We could look at some older testament passages where there's some people traveling through and it's actually an angel. 
We don't know. We don't know that what form they always take. They're spiritual beings that can take on a bodily form, and they're very powerful. And as we think about them, we need to make sure that we're not confused by them. So we've got a lot of angels in the Christmas story. And I'm not going to read all these passages, but uh, I encourage you to go back and, and just do a little inventory on angels and, and what was going on. We've, we've already talked about uh, Zechariah experiencing an angel. This is kind of the first introduction. It's going to happen. Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a baby in their old age, and uh, he's going to be the forerunner. Uh, he's going to be a relative of Jesus. And uh, we see all that goes on. Zechariah is not totally buying what the angel has to say, even though he's startled by them. And so sometimes, you know, we can th say, man, if I had an experience like Zechariah, I'd be all in. If Zachari you know, if an angel came and said, do this, I'd be like, you from God? Yeah, I'll do this. Well, Zechariah, not so much. So don't, you know, don't uh, defer your following and listening and doing what God says through a messenger or through a message that you would automatically do it because here's Zechariah and he's silenced until um, John is born. Then there's uh, appearances to Mary. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And again, we talked more about this last week, but this idea of finding favor with God, this do not be afraid. This seems to be the majority of the themes of do not be afraid because you've encountered an angel. And then obviously there's Joseph, and we see this. Uh, Joseph uh, is going to quietly uh, divorce his wife. We talked about marriage in, in this time period last week, so if you want to catch up the three-folded uh, process of that. Uh, but uh, this angel appears to Joseph, and uh, uh, basically in a dream, and says, uh, keep Mary, be kind to Mary. Uh, what she told you is true, um, and take her home as your wife. And so you have this angel experience. And then we have the angels uh, with the shepherds. And the shepherds are out. We're going to meet the shepherds more next week, but we have the angels out doing their shepherding stuff. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will great cause great joy for all the people. And again, then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and then saying, we'll talk about that next week. But uh, these, these shepherds were not like, putting their arm around a Clarence kind of angel and saying, hey, bud, uh, you don't really look like an angel. They were, they were, they were blown away by it. the coffees. Land of Goshen, that line was long. <laughs> All right, cup of coffees. Tobias, here's yours with extra goat milk. Had to smell that the whole way here. Thank you so much. And I have a juniper tea. Which one of you guys had the juniper tea with two extra shots of honey, huh? You look like the juniper. 
And an extra large boba tea for me, because I made the run. Hmm? And it's all gone. Ira, if you will. Guys? Where's all the sheep? Sheep, come back! No making! We're not making this up! Oh, you're not making this up? Oh, golly gee, then, Eamon. Then maybe I will believe that, what, a gaggle of angels came down? Technically, they're called heavenly hosts. Not the time, Tobias. It's always a time for proper nomenclature. That's the motto I live by. Fine. A heavenly host of little cherubs. No, 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 no. Not little. They were humongous. <laughs> yeah. Ira buckled like a newborn lamb. I might have a new concussion. I taste pennies right now. Okay. Come on, ladies! Not Clarence Angels. Now, that may be not what happened at first Christmas. Um, definitely they got the kind of coffee wrong, but that's for another time. But angels in Scripture. In your notes there, I have printed out, the angels are personal spiritual beings who have intelligence, emotions and will this is true of both good and evil angels demons angels are not human beings that have graduated to heaven they're not that at all they are the heavenly hosts or the ones that were with god that he created to be his messengers to be his servants and some of us are familiar with there was a time where uh, they think maybe a third of the angels rebelled against God under the leadership of the number one angel, Lucifer, and they were banished from heaven. Some were sent to right to hell, and some are around right now. And so you have good angels, bad angels. You can see this uh, in the scriptures, and you can see that they interfere with life. So what uh, role, Hebrews tells us, what role then do the angels have? The angels are spirit messengers sent by God to serve those who are going to be saved. So there's this idea that angels are around us. I have no idea how many angels could be in the room right now, but, and it sounds a little weird, a little spooky, but it's a little, it's very good, but uh, good angels with us, and they are a part of God's plan, God's program. Um, as we walk through this, we're going to see, again, we've already talked about this a little bit, angels are fierce. We see in the Older Testament, and this sounds just blows your mind, that night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. They fight for the Lord. You can read in Daniel, and you can see... Daniel prays for an answer, and an angel eventually gets there and talks with him, and, and the angel says he was delayed because he was delayed by a prince of another country, a fallen angel. And uh, all of this stuff is not to be toyed with, played with, uh, taken for granted. This is a spiritual battle. Uh, scripture over and over, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but about principality. So this is out there. And we need to be aware of it. We need to not be careless or coy with it. 
in Revelation. I mean, there's lots of passages. The war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Those are the fallen angels. And the dragon and his angels fought back. And so you've got this right behind the veil, if you will, going on. So they're fierce. They're also intelligent. Um, the serpent was interfered by Satan the devil, and we see this. But I'm afraid just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be fed, led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Not going too far into it, someone might say, can a Christ follower be possessed by an evil spirit, by a fallen angel? And we're going to say if you have the Holy Spirit in you, that's impossible. But, but a Christ follower can be oppressed, can be bothered, uh, can have things interfered in their lives, and we can open the door for that interference. There's the parable where uh, Jesus says uh, one fallen angel demon was uh, extradited from a person's life, and they cleaned up their life, but they didn't basically fill it with God, and he and his buddies came back, and it was worse. So when there's a void, a vacuum, uh, it's not good. We want to uh, be following Christ and have Christ uh, living in our life. So what are the kinds of things that can open us up to this stuff? Not to freak you out. There's all kinds of little uh, games, crystals, this kind of stuff. And it's just kind of opening up the door. What you watch. Um, this may sound very innocent to you, but I, and I may have mentioned this recently, but I remember when uh, one Christmas I got a Ouija, Ouija, whatever the board is, can't remember what it is, and, uh, and uh, for, for my birthday at a birthday party, and I watched this hand come over my shoulders, pick it up, and it disappeared. What happened? That was my mother. And then like, I don't know, six years later, I, sometime later, I found it in a closet buried, and when I found it, my mother said, oh, that needs to go in the trash, and away it went. Didn't want to play around with that stuff. Don't play around with anything that's sense of the occult. You never know where that crosses that line. You need to be aware of that. Um, angels, uh, they, they're aware, they're intelligent, uh, but they're not all-knowing. We read this, uh, but about the day or the hour, no one knows, even the angels in heaven know the Son, but only the Father. We look at what's happening in our world, and we're leaning and going, is this the end times? Things are bad. I will tell you that every day that passes is one day closer to the end times. I mean, that's, you know, so is this it? Maybe. Could it go on for hundreds of years? There, there, are, there, are, there have been generations in the past where it has been horrendous. When Hitler rose to power, people thought he was the Antichrist. So, so not to dissuade that, but we need to live being aware of that. So that should cause us to live purposely, live wise with our life, because we want our life to impact other lives. And if the clock is ticking and we have less time to impact other people's lives, we need to sit up and take notice of that. Don't ignore that. So again, angels are intelligent. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Uh, we also see that angels, in a sense, have emotions. This whole, again, that verse about shuddering, they're nervous, they're uncomfortable, they have emotions. Uh, we see them 
delighting when a person comes to Christ and says yes to Jesus. There's a party in heaven. We also see suddenly a company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, you know, glory to God in the highest. They were praising. They were excited. Those are emotions. We see that the dragon, again, this, this fallen angel, this, this Satan, Lucifer, all of those kinds of things, was enraged at the woman. Enraged, that is an emotion. And in your notes there, I have a quote from Got Questions. I find Got Questions a really great resource. I'd encourage you to check it out from time. Um, again, you've got to think it through when you're listening to it. I would say most of it is good. A lot of times they have a little video so you don't have to read it or whatever. But uh, this comes from there and just explains that out. One thing we need to realize, and I said this already, is that angels are not to be worshipped. They are not God. They're powerful, they're fearsome, they're awesome, but they are not to be worshipped. And if you ever came into a situation where uh, an angel, you thought you were being visited by an angel, and again, that may sound very weird to you, but if you thought that, I personally haven't, but uh, it, I do hear stories, and I don't think they're, I think they're credible, uh, that if they allowed you to worship you, them, then that would not be a right angel that would be a fallen angel remember angels come as, as uh, lights uh, deceivers so just don't tolerate people who try to run your life like that ordering you to bow down and scrape insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that seek out visions there are a lot of hot air that's all they are and this idea of obsession we need to be obsessed with God. We need to be obsessed with following him. Even when it comes to this realm of a messenger, it's the message that is significant, not the delivery system. And the message of God is around us in so many ways. But sometimes we can get picked on the messenger, whether it's someone giving a sermon, whether it's someone giving a devotion, whether it, don't get caught up. Don't lift that messenger up higher or put them lower than they need to be. It's they're representing God. It's the message that we should be caught up with because it's reflecting God's will and desire for our life. So don't be obsessed with angels. Don't be obsessed with these weird things. Uh, Sometimes I have people come in to me talking about numbers, and there's something to that, but it's just way overboard. If you add these numbers up, it means this. I'm like, what are you talking about? The gospel is good news is clear. Love God, follow others. Don't get sidetracked. Talk less about that stuff and focus on loving your neighbor. Put your energy into that. Put your energy into being kind and gentle and nice trying to figure all these weird things out that don't impact a life yes be knowledgeable be thinking but don't go overboard don't be obsessed with any of that i john and the one who heard and saw these things and when i heard and saw, saw them i fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me but he said to me, don't do that. 
I'm following a fellow servant and you and your fellow prophets and with all who keep the word of God or this scroll, worship God. Again, just this idea of, you, you know, getting obsessed with that. Already talked about this, angels are messengers. You see that all through um, the accounts. You see that with the accounts of in the Christmas story. So, so what do we do? How do we think about angels in your life, in our life? What does that look like? And uh, I came across this little image, which I thought was interesting. what that looks like i think they're probably wearing seneca community t-shirts with their outfits but uh, beyond that uh, um, you know they they could be all around us and uh, all of us may have stories about a situation that something was unfolding and all of a sudden you know car ran out of gas or something like that or you're running late and you discover you're not in a place where there was a car accident sometimes that's uh, angel work I think that's God's work. It doesn't really matter how it transpires to some degree. It matters that you see that God is involved in our lives. So angels, they, they direct us. Obviously, uh, here, uh, Joseph is directed by this angel. He has this vision. So there's times where uh, an angel could direct us, could be involved in our life and um you know this whole idea of somebody coming into our life and uh, you're kind to someone and then you never see that person again again this sounds very bizarre at times but you see it throughout scripture uh, sometimes we in our culture minimize the supernatural work of god in our world but it's happening out there it's just not happening in in a, you know the the you know, in China and uh, the Asia, you know, we go, well, that happens over there, Africa. You know, that's not in the United States. No, it's happening. It's behind the scenes. It's, it's happening all around. Again, we don't battle against uh, uh, principalities or we don't battle against flesh and blood. Um, also, uh, they, they protect us. And again, how, when, it doesn't really matter. We just have to know that God's got our back. Uh, that's great. God's got your back. Does every person have a guardian angel? Well, some I don't think need the full-time job. Some of us have 10 guardian angels. I don't know. <laughs> just, you know, there's this idea that uh, we're protected. I came across this. No, I gotta get Yeah, I'm getting out. Oh. I totally spaced on that one. Just use your Capital One No Hassle card. I am so good. I hope you have a better guardian angel than that. Peter experienced this. An angel stepped in and got him out of jail. So you just never know. All you need to know is that God has your back. And you can trust that. And realize that and have a confidence as you go about your way in this chapter of life. We also see that uh, they, in a sense, serve us. 
You see that again back in Hebrews uh, 1.14. What role then do the angels have? The angels are spirit messengers sent by God to save those, serve those who are going to be saved. So they're involved in our life. And the idea of serving us has this idea to be an attendant, to wait upon, to minister us, minister as unto a friend. That's pretty nice to know that uh, God has this plan, has these servants that are dispatched to his calling to take care of us. Uh, sometimes I've heard you pray uh, for someone who's in a dangerous, put a hedge of protection around. Would, would angels be protecting that person? And, and I don't think that's just a figure of speech. I think we're asking God to step in and do something. But again, it doesn't matter what device, what vehicle, what whatever. We just want God to step in. You see that Jesus was ministered to by the angels after his 40 days of being tempted. And you say, well, that's Jesus. Jesus gets angels. I get that guy on the, in the airport. Uh, you know, no, 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 no. It's, it's God is caring for all of us. And then you get this idea of the message of the angels. And this, to me, is the most important thing. Uh, sometimes when we even talk about temptation, we talk about being tempted. Uh, oh, the devil's having a really good day in my life this week or something. Or, or the world's really, you know, influencing me. Or it's myself. And, and it really, on one hand, doesn't really matter where the source of temptation or influence is coming from. It matters what our response is. Our response. You're responsible for your response. And the same thing is true on the flip side. You've got fallen angels, you've got positive angels, not fallen angels, and you've got to realize that their message or the message of God needs to be paid attention to. Uh, don't get caught up with, you know, all of the other trappings in a sense because sometimes the message feels like an interruption that is inconvenient. I don't know about you, but sometimes... Often, when God impresses upon my heart, wherever it comes from, directly from his word, a situation happens or doesn't happen, or, wow, that was a near miss, and, and there's, there's, some, there's some influence in there, there's some action that I need to take, it seems inconvenient. And from the Christmas story, there's a lot of inconvenience. Zachariah loses his voice. Mary has to now be pregnant, unwed, teenager, the scandal. Joseph has to, has to keep with her and loves her and, and, and all of this stuff. The family, you got the shepherds, they're out on the, sh they're, yes, yes, it's very exciting, but who watches the sheep? Uh, all of these kinds of things. It's inconvenient at first glance. So when you are getting messages from God, through his word, through a messenger, through someone in your life, through circumstances. Realize that at first glance, they may seem an interruption. You know, we've uh, sent out an email this week regarding a potential associate pastor candidate coming the end of this month. And I'm sure there are times in his life, in the family's life, the message from God to consider coming here, to be here, is inconvenient. 
They have to leave what they know. They have to leave family. All those kinds of things, but it all comes together. Yet, that's the message. And if you find God's messages in your life never convenient, I don't know if I really want to say this, maybe you're not getting that many messages from God or you're not listening because our lives' direction needs to be changed from time to time. So if you never have a directional change in your life, there's never something that's inconvenient, an interruption. I, I would ask, what's going on? Am I, am I listening to the messages? Am I getting to messages? Am I ignoring them? What am I doing with them? Because at times they will be inconvenient and an interruption. Sometimes the messages reveal a purpose that is different than your expectations. Second career thing, moving, different job. All of a sudden you're having a baby and you weren't expecting to have a baby. Surprise, uh, something happens in your life. You lose someone, a relationship doesn't stay together, whatever it may be. And uh, there could be a purpose behind them. And uh, they reveal something, reveal a change of course. And they're different than our expectations. And so how do we sort all this through? How do we integrate it into our life? How do we figure out what is uh, just uh, heartburn from eating too much pizza the night before and I had bad dreams to actually God speaking to my heart? We need to be growing. We need to be investing in it. And I mentioned this earlier in the hosting is this whole growth process we're highlighting. This isn't the magic bullet, but at least it puts you on the track, this idea of really thinking about what it means to follow Christ, what it means to share Christ, what it means to serve, and what it means to mentor, touch other people's lives. And so this process gets us on the road, gets us traveling in that direction, even if you've been traveling and following Christ for a little while. So you have this follow. And a few weeks ago, I highlighted these uh, current graduates from follow. And recently, a group completed share. And here they are, and we celebrate that they walked through this. They've gone through follow, they've gone through share, and uh, now they're just a little bit more equipped to share their faith with others, which helps us deal with the interruptions. So someone, God is speaking to our heart to invite someone to uh, a Christmas uh, service. We got these cards, and God's laid that on our heart, and uh, it's a little bit of interruption, but now we have some tools to know how to do that. We have some ideas about how to do that. So this is all important as we're trying to follow Christ. Now, becoming obsessed with what people think about is your quickest way to forget what God thinks. So you, you, you have a, a, even like a service like right now. I've been in these where all of a sudden God lays something on my heart. And then all of a sudden the people around me, my peer group, kind of like cause it to evaporate because I care about what they think. I've shared with you that story one time. It, it breaks my heart. It makes me a little angry. And I share that story about coming back from a snow camp, and these three kids from this one family uh, shared how it had impacted their lives, and they were in tears, and, and they wanted to see their friends come to Christ, say yes to Christ, and it just captivated them. And they came home, and they shared. I mean, they were sobbing, and, uh, and these weren't sobbing normal kids. And... Uh, so it was just, it was amazing that God had really spoken to their heart. 
and in the fellowship hall in the commons area with coffee and cake afterwards, I heard the father, who was a church leader, go up to his three kids, and I kid you not, he says, in a couple days, this will wear off. So I grabbed him, tackled him. No, I didn't do that. I was horrified. He, he actually said, you'll be okay. The, 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 the fire in your belly, the fire in your heart will extinguish. We can, we can get that out so it doesn't bother you anymore. You won't be as troubled. Wow. You say, that's horrible. But how, t- how often do we do the same thing? Not as uh, you know, clear as that, but how many times do we do the same thing? Someone has a mission. Someone has a vision, and we start to kind of like eat away at it. I know. I think I mentioned this earlier, or maybe it was in the community group. Uh, one of my daughters, who's a nurse, had thought about a little bit about going on one of these mercy ships and doing a mercy trip somewhere. And I was honestly, I wasn't really excited about that. You know, I didn't want her to leave her good-paying job. I didn't want to, you know, and you know, and I thought, man, I, I can't say that. So, so how do I, how do I make her think about? Wow, what's she going to do? Where's all her stuff going to go? She's got an apartment and and all of that kind of thing. And got my attention I can't she's not mine she's God's I need to encourage her I need to figure out a way of facilitating this if that's God's will for her life unfortunately she found a guy now she's getting married so that's the end of that oh maybe they'll both go someday but anyway we can crush the message just imagine how hard how hard Mary's parents could have been Joseph family you know they could have just become a huge obstacle becoming obsessed with god thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think so the flip side of that lean into god follow him be aware of what people think but don't let them change your course if you have a message from God. And most of our messages from God are not these big go on the mercy ship. Some of these messages of God are just to be kind and be nice and spend time with God. And there are people around us that uh, are just, uh, you know, wrecking that. I know when I do premarital counseling and I talk to the couple, I, I say, so how are you going to, the question is, how are you going to facilitate the other person's spiritual growth? And they say, what do you mean by that? I said, so for example, Cindy and I had to learn this, that when we're doing our devotions and, and we had little apartments and we were in the same room, we wouldn't start asking our, each other questions about our day because that was God's time. So, so we, just, we just had to do that. Or, or all of a sudden, what was being studied, what was being thought through, uh, just wasn't as clean. It wasn't as powerful in our lives. So, uh, you know, trying to help people grow in their faith and hear what God has to say and stick with it. That's what's great about accountability, about having someone you can say, I think God is doing this in my heart and my life. I need to stick with it. Help me stick with it. And someone says, oh, don't worry about that. Or like that parent with those kids. Last week, we talked about this idea of reason over revelation. Reason is good, but reason is limited because there is revelation that trumps reason. Being honest at work, holding on to your integrity. God reveals that to you. If you did it on a spreadsheet, you might say, 
I'm going to kind of like let that slide reasonably. Adding up your pros and cons, what, what makes sense? doesn't make financial good sense to go on the mercy shift. You should stay being a nurse and save your money, keep the retirement plan, keep the grass up at Strong's. That's a better plan. That's reason trumping revelation. Revelation needs to trump reason. And if you're not ready to be critiqued for obeying God, you're not ready to be used by God. Mary and Joseph were going to be critiqued by others for obeying God. And they were ready for that. They had done the hard spade soil work. And uh, they didn't feel ready, I'm sure, but they were ready for that. So they were ready to be used by God. And you see, when you think of Mary and Joseph, the extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. They're the basic things, the little things. Trust us with the little things, and you get entrusted with the big things. It's the same at work. You know, you do the little things at work well, and you don't know it, but you're interviewing for the big job. You may not think that, but you are. If you can't do the little things, you're not going to get the promotion. You're interviewing for the big job. Same thing with your faith. You do the little things, the little things that when nobody's watching. Have you ever done one of those little things where nobody's watching, but somebody actually was watching more than God, more than an angel or whatever, and all of a sudden they, they, they noticed that and you didn't do it for that, and all of a sudden now you have uh, something bigger, a new opportunity happen in your life because they noticed you were faithful in little things. I mean, the Savior was born when two teens, we kind of thought that, I think Joseph was younger, so teens, said yes to God. Almost everyone else would have said, don't do it. Would you have been one of those people that would have said, don't do it? In today's world where abortion can take place with a couple pills, if Mary had been your daughter... What would you have said? Rubber's meeting the road. I said, you know, you can get those. I think you can now get them just over the counter. You can go up to the pharmacy and get a pill. Take one pill, take another pill a couple days later, baby gone. What would you have said to Mary? What would you have said to Joseph? Don't do it. God was saying something else. I never want to be in a position where people in my life have wanted to follow God's lead, and I've been so disappointed. Ooh, I don't want that on my hands at all. That doesn't mean if you're going to propose to me a crazy idea, I'm going to go for it too either. So, you know, there, there is, there is, I've had people, you know, just go off the rails. There are certain things you got to do. But, but uh, again, I, I don't want to discourage somebody. You have no idea what you're setting into motion when you obey what God puts on your heart. Picking on Bill and, Joe, um, Bill and Jen Morling, God placed it on their heart to do some kind of missions work. God's placing it on their heart to transition to another kind of missions work. Never had an idea that this is what would happen in their life. You go do a, a short-term missions trip um, in 2025, which seems far away, but it isn't. Uh, you know, they're taking a group down to Honduras. All these kinds of things. You just never do know what a little idea, 
unfolding in your life create. Some of you have businesses. It was a little idea, and it became your business. How much more significant when it's a little idea from God and you obey the message. In all of this, reason and revelation, revelation over reason, comes down to obedience. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Mary and Joseph, even Zachariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, the shepherds, didn't know what their little bit of obedience would do. And God's outcome blew everything away. What is God asking you to do? How is God revealing himself to you in small ways which might amount to larger ways or might just stay small ways? And that is great too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We're thankful for the way it speaks to us. We thank you for the story, the Christmas story, and we're trying to, to mine it for every precious gem there is. Help us not to be distracted by the details, by the trivial pursuit concepts, and miss the message that you sent to us. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online is loved by you, and you've extended the offer of relationship with you. And everyone in this room can walk with you, say yes initially, and say yes day after day after day, and live a life that counts in your eyes. Help us to see your message. Help us to own your message. Help us to embrace your message. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name.